Let's do it. Jack, let's do a Washington week. I think that's excellent. It is our nation's capital, after all. <laughs> and there's there seems to be some good content coming out. There's a lot of cybersecurity news happening in our nation's capital, Justin. Where do you want to start? Uh, I think you, you had a good one. A statement by President Biden on our nation's cybersecurity came out March 21st of this calendar year. Ah, uh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Very reasonable, attainable goals. Yeah. Let's forward to the uh, this the theme of it here. It talks a lot about the, the initiative statement. I don't know what they call us. It uh, concludes with, I think, pretty good summaries. I urge our private sector partners to harden your cyber defenses immediately by implementing the best practices we have developed together over the last year. You have the power, the capacity, and the responsibility to strengthen the cybersecurity and resilience of the critical services and technology on which Americans rely. So before I go nonlinear, right? <laughs> number one, I think it is fantastic that the president is taking the time to talk about cybersecurity. But there's a certain element of this charge that I just don't understand why it is written the way that it is. You just read this thing, right? If I can look at the if I can look at the page, number one, harden them immediately. Right? Because for the last 30 years of screwing it up, right, now's the time. So in the next couple of weeks, if you guys can get around to it, um, please fix all the cybersecurity problems. Thank you very much. Um, the second thing is, I'm, I'm glad to see that the, the federal government has been hard at work because they have developed best practices over the last year. I didn't realize that so many things like multi-factor authentication or encryption, for that matter, um, were developed within this last year. So... I think there's a certain, of course it is, because this is a, the nature of a political statement, there's some unreasonable things going on. But I think what we should do is, is what, I'm, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to ignore the nature of that language, and I'm going to try to focus on some of the good recommendations that come out from CISA and other places. Because I'm sure there are people who will read a presidential directive who ordinarily wouldn't read this stuff, or you know, for the first time going to be hearing what some of these relatively reasonable recommendations we've been saying are. So you know, maybe we can just dig into that to talk more about the actual recommendations they're making and just be happy that someone's talking about it. Um, I will tell you that one of the things I got a little bit of discomfort with is that this is being positioned um, because of the fact that the, there exists the Russian invasion of Ukraine as sort of the background for this, that somehow that's going to increase cybersecurity threats. And you know, we've been talking a lot about it. We'll have some more news on it in the near future. But the main people who are suffering from cyber threats from Russia are not in the United States. And so I think that while that may be the impetus for starting this conversation, I, I think that most of the dangers that are articulated here have been around for an awfully long time. And we've been vulnerable to and have been violated by you know, a variety of different nation states over the course of the last number of years, um, and not just Russia, uh, because of the fact these things happen. Mm. I think it's an important part that I kind of glossed over, I think mostly because it triggered my gag reflex. <laughs> yeah, a big... Uh, big part of all this is the uh, undercurrent of Russian hacking because it's new and we haven't seen it before. It's the first time they're doing it. Ever. 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 <laughs> Ever. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned uh, you want to hop in and go through the, the, the good parts. There is a list of um, information in a fact sheet. So th those of our listeners who follow up on the statement that Justin just read, there's some hyperlinks in it also from March 21st. 
that give some pointers to recommendations by CISA and others uh, via CISA's Shields Up campaign. So I think that's good. I'll give you a couple of them off the top. Number one, mandate the use of multi-factor authentication on your systems to make it harder for attackers to get onto your system. There you have it. Uh, number two, and this, this one is very specific, deploy modern security tools on your computers and devices to continuously look for and mitigate threats. Now, I think that most CISOs and cybersecurity professionals may have already thought of that, for, but for those who haven't, it is a really good idea to have security tools that will help you look for and mitigate threats. But, but only only modern ones. We, we definitely don't want any antiquated ones, just to be specific. Right, like uh, multi-factor authentication, which has been around since SecureID started doing it 25 years ago. <laughs> okay, how about this one? Check with your cybersecurity professionals to make sure that your systems are patched and protected against all known vulnerabilities. So those of you out there trying to run businesses, please make sure that you ignore the need to keep running those businesses and make sure that business keeps operating and make sure that everything is patched. And by the way, tomorrow, at least some number of applications on the systems will need to be patched again. So please prepare yourself for the, the maelstrom of circular patching. Oh, and by the way, change passwords across your networks so that previously stolen credentials can't be used. So constantly patch and constantly change your passwords. <laughs> And constantly have your resume ready to go because the company's not going to deal with this for very long. <laughs> Jack, I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to well up a little bit. I got to oh. start starting to get some moisture on the outside of my eyes here. It, the, the thing about it for me is like these are all good recommendations, right? They really are. They're all good recommendations. They're things we'd like people to do. The thing that's making me a little bit crazy is, number one, the idea that they're new. Um, the second thing is the idea that organizations can do these things immediately. It really frosts me because really great companies are out there. They want to do the right things. There are, most companies are already trying to do the right thing, and it's brutally hard. Yeah. And to say... Do this immediately, and here's all the things you have to do, which, by the way, you haven't been able to do in the last 30 years, but now's the time. It, it, it sets an expectation that if someone can't do all of these things, that somehow they're breaching the confidence of the country and not doing everything. Because ordinarily, as a leader, the president or the government in general is trying to guide people's expectation of what's rational and achievable. Yeah. I want to come back to that for a second, but before, we, uh, before I do... I want to run down through this list of uh, what the heck they call these fact sheets. I'll be quick. So you talked about um, mandate the use of multi-factor, deploy modern security tools, uh, check with your cybersecurity professionals, make sure your systems are patched and protected, change your passwords, back up your data, run exercises and drill your emergency plans so that you are prepared to respond quickly, encrypt your data so it can't be used if it's stolen. Educate your employees on common tactics, so security awareness. Uh, engage proactively with your local FBI field office. A couple more here, and I, I know this is painful. I'm like, I'm really paraphrasing. We encourage security software vendors too. Go ahead, they'll get the bottom of it. Uh, build security into your products from the ground up. And this is this is actually in quotes in the, actually here, quote, bake it in, don't bolt it on, end quote. Next one, develop software only on a system that is highly secure and accessible to only those who will actually be working on the project. Uh, use modern security tools to check for known and potential vulnerabilities. 
Software developers are responsible for all code used in their products. Implement security practices mandated in the president's executive order. Uh, oh, jeez, I don't even know what that means. Coming back to what you said, this is all right. So this is this is a basic blocking and tackling. Like this is this is as one hundred and one as it gets. Like there's nothing advanced or progressive or forward thinking about any of this stuff. This has been around for as long as I can remember. And like we as an industry still struggle with all this stuff. I look across, you know, all of the companies that like I know of, people struggle to do this stuff. And, you know, they don't have time. They can't find the talent. The threat landscape's shifting pretty quickly. So, I mean, it's this continuous thing that we have to do. And we're just, we just haven't been keeping up with just the basics here. So, on the other hand, like trying to be like upbeat and positive about it is like, Maybe drawing some awareness to some of these things and emphasizing the importance of this stuff and reminding people that, you know, kind of the back to basics approach is a good one is is a positive thing. And maybe like trying to be upbeat about that, like maybe, maybe that's the path forward. <laughs> I guess it's the language that's getting to me. So many, many years ago, back in 2009, uh, Wall Street Journal reported that they, they had identified or their resources had, sources had identified the fact that the power grid had been hacked in multiple places by foreign actors, uh, Russian, Chinese, et cetera, um, who had inserted uh, evilware uh, on the grid. And this is 2009. So one would have thought that that would have kicked up, you know, excitement and interest in making this thing go away. I'm going to say, I don't know if it was 13 or 14, we had the OPM hack, right, where... Uh, the background information of individuals who either were part of or the subject of classified access background checks were all stolen. And even though those systems had been highlighted by JO reporting for years as having some security problems, that didn't cause anything to get really excited about. And, and on and on and on, right? And right now, right, we have a foreign conflict where there is... Um, an adversary nation who has a lot of cyber skills, who's shown that they will use them against that target. Um, and suddenly this is going to be the clarion call to get everybody to change things. Um, I, I think I would have been much happier if what this said was there's going to be more target advising produced by the national security community to help create simple, practical means through which to address what we know are some really hard problems to solve or yeah. Um, we are going to um, increase funding or increase um, the tax benefits for organizations which find ways to invest more in cybersecurity or something practical. <clears throat> you know, just basically saying these are the things that you should be doing. And if you're not doing them, you're not a good person and you should have it all, bought, all done really, really soon. It, to me, it doesn't do anything but make good people feel worse about not getting it done. Mm -hmm. And it makes the general public think that it's easier than it is, right? You read this and you're like, oh, the president said you should do it. Oh, you get hacked. You must be terrible. No, I could be awesome. And the company could still be hacked. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's a question of context setting through the language. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I like how you frame that up too. You know, and I've, I haven't thought it all the way through before I'm going to say it, but it's, it's coming out of my mouth anyway. <laughs> Why should today be any different? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to me, it would have been better 
if there was some way that you can provide a more specific and tactical recommendation in a way that like actually would would reduce risk for people not saying this doesn't but um j- just being a more more specific in the sense like let's just focus on what what really matters at at this moment and you know if if the white house you know or whomever whatever agency says, you know, out to the nation, probably say, hey, we're about to enter into a time where that we believe is going to be an elevated cyber posture because Russian hacking is new. And we recommend that all businesses do these three things, right? We recommend that you change everybody's password and force them to reset it to something complex and perhaps something that's never been used before. Is, is that bulletproof? No, but it's a step in the right direction say, you know, review maybe their system firewall configurations, make sure you understand all firewall rules that are in place and kind of making that one up in the flyer saying, make sure you patch all of your perimeter systems, right? And just do like three very specific things that you focus organizations on, you know, saying just just focus on doing these, these things right now. And the fact that you've completed these three things will make you more stronger and more defensible than you were yesterday or last week, right? And is it perfect? No. Is it a step in the right direction? Yes. Is it something that people can get their head around and reasonably implement in a short period of time? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's certainly going to be people that are still going to struggle with that, but I mean, let's let's start there. Let's not, let's not tell people they should be going back and doing the last 30 years of work in an afternoon. I like that idea. I like the idea because you can also describe the reasons behind why those recommendations exist pretty clearly. Yeah. Right. You know, one, two, three, right. And it, it can be something that gets talked about all the time. If you remember, you know, during war times, you know, years ago, you had posters, you know, loose lips sink ships, right. You had mottos that helped organizations try to protect themselves because they were protecting the supply chain for the war effort. Right. And maybe it feels more like that. Maybe you're right. Right. They, they, they weren't saying, you know, make sure you're saving nickel cadmium or something. They were saying something very straightforward. Uh, be careful about what you talk about. Yeah. There's a lot of a uh, lot of sayings out there, various forms and facets of it. But I mean, <clears throat> when, when you set goals and aspirations like this, they have to be obtainable and people have to be able to see a path of which they can achieve some of these things. Like, otherwise they're just going to say F it, you know, they're saying this is, this is going to be too hard to do. Let's save our time and go on and do something. Cause we're do, do something else. Cause we're never going to be successful doing this because it's, it's completely un, unobtainable. Right. But if you're smart about the goal and you can give people a path to f- feeling like they're successful, um, I, I think you're going to get a lot more traction. Nice. So I guess on the upside, maybe, right? So when I look at this list of things to do, uh, the ones that are focused on the operators, not on the vendors, I think at least for those CISOs or directors of security who have gone to their management and said, listen, it really is important for us to start thinking about MFA, a lot of distributed services, credential thefts, and the S. Listen, I really need to update uh, what I'm doing on the endpoint to something that's a little bit better, you know, on and on and on. Maybe they can use this, right? Maybe there's a purpose in this that it provides some high cover for some of the teams we know that are working so hard to get the support that they need from their management teams in order to be successful, right? So maybe this 
you can use this as a, a bit of a club uh, to take into a meeting where before you would have been poo-pooed. Ah, nobody does that. Why do I care about that? You can say, listen, uh, President Biden just issued this note. And it says we really ought to be doing this right now. And I've been asking you to do it for the last six months or six years. And maybe this is a way in which to break that logic. So, you know, maybe there is a positive way to use public exposure um, of these as important things to do to create a more informed population to hear requests from smart people in cyber that are trying to get things done. And maybe mm -hmm. they can take this and create a little slide set that says, hey, this is why we should do it as well. Yeah, I like it. And, and you know, I think and I think there's some following practical stuff. Right. So. I look at the example that you read at the end, which was for the vendors about um, building security in and only developing software in certain kinds of systems. The government buys an awful lot of software, right? And government regulators mandate the behaviors of everything from um, food service companies uh, to chemical manufacturers to automobile manufacturers, right? And maybe it's time if the president does believe that these are important steps to take to make a statement that says we are not going to buy software unless there has been some assessment process uh, done against it that, that makes us feel comfortable that it is either secure or at least secure enough with a path to make it more secure when bad things happen. Uh, or number two, that there's a supply chain and a providence for any bit of software that the government is going to use. In our X gazillion dollar budget, we are only buying software that adheres to a specific kind of supply chain, the same way I'm sure they do for any number of things that our government relies on, right? So maybe instead of issuing these dictums to software companies who are serving the vocal requirements of their customers, which are basically make it faster, make it better, make it shinier, right? Instead, the government can say, well, they're all very nice, but we have a massive wallet. And if you want to serve not only us, but anybody we regulate, You've also got to make it secure by this definition. Well, then maybe, right, then maybe you can actually change something and make something better. So instead of simply foisting guilt upon companies for not doing it for public good, you make it in their, their, in their financial best interest. Because we know that those kinds of core motivations work pretty well for people. So how's that? What do you think about that? I love that. That topic area is probably one of the least represented or kind of like scrutinized area that, that I see. And what I mean by that, and specifically, like specific examples, is we see a lot of companies that either buy software from a vendor or, you know, kind of uh, buying off a proposal process. And that software vendor or provider is responding with either this very opaque view of their security posture. Right of, of the vendor security posture and opaque view of the software that the consumer is about to buy, or they just make it known. They're like it's not secure, and if you want to secure it, you have to pay additional dollars. Which I know for most most companies that I see, they're hesitant um, to pay additional for a security package that should inherently be uh, included. Right? They don't. They the consumer doesn't want to pay extra dollars to shore up the security shortcomings of, of a vendor, right? It's just something the vendor should be doing without any like additional like motivation or encouragement. It's something that vendors should, should self-select. So I guess I kind of say all those things where is if there was um, some additional scrutiny on that, on that topic and a structure or framework, I can't remember the exact words that you use, but um, something to drive a little bit more focus to it. I think it it would 
improve a public software supply chain. Nice. And, you know, when I look at what happened in networking back when the internet was young, right? When it was up, it was great. And when it wasn't, that was not so great. Um, and because the customers demanded uptime, particularly for transaction-oriented systems or low-latency systems, they couldn't afford to have things disappearing and getting rerouted. We get to five nines pretty fast, relatively yeah. speaking, right? And it's because the customers demanded it. Yeah. And I think if customers demanded that we, as a software engineering industry, we're all better at building more secure software, and we demanded that the software we put into our bodies, right, into in the supply chain, no matter where these libraries or routines or these these applications come from, um, were were constructed in a way that we understood and were better, then probably, right, things would get better faster. It would not be this really. It, I would say it's been a slow roll, but it's only been getting worse. It hasn't been getting better slowly. It's just it's been getting worse. Because as languages are easier to use, the applications themselves become less likely to be safe. So yeah, I think that that level of incentive to encourage them to do the right thing, uh, it could fundamentally change the industry. So that's good. Look at this. We found positive content coming out of the back end of the president's directive. But what's interesting about this, though, and that the last bit of this, just to introduce, you know, life is a sweet tart, Justin, right? We've done a lot of sour. We've had some sweet... But I got it back on this art just for a moment. You'll notice that this is extremely rigorously castigating the private sector, right? It's up to them to make this all better. When in fact, we know that a lot of what's necessary and what's relied upon exists not in the private sector. In fact, there's a lot of federally mandated, federally regulated and federally run systems uh, that are super important to us as well. That's why, that's why we pay for them. Um, and so I'm thinking that maybe in a second episode here in Washington week, we can talk a little bit about uh, what's being said about improving the security of that during the same crucial period. And just in general, um, what's going on in terms of the appetite in Washington to improve the security of itself, physicians healing themselves. What do you think of that? I like it. Cool. I like a little it. foreshadowing. <laughs> That's all I got, man. All the good Good, good things to come. All right. He said we, we wrap this one up. It's pretty good. Was, I agree. Good. Started off by... Start, started bad, got better. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't sure if we were going <laughs> to... wasn't sure if we were going to come out of this one with anything positive, but I, th I think we found some rainbows. At least I hope we did. Kind of. Kind of like not not like real strong defined rainbows, but maybe maybe something loosely resembling one. Faded, a faded rainbow. I'll take whatever kind of rainbow I can get, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need uh, cybersecurity help, you need help getting back to basics. If you need it immediately, I'm saying immediately. You can reach us at pwned at newharborsecurity.com and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of Washington Week. Woohoo!